1: Hey, everyone. Today's guest and co-host is the wonderful actor and comedian Asif Manvi. Asif and I discuss moving from England to Florida at 16, asking a girl to prom and being turned down, then showing up to steal the spotlight. His new show, Would I Lie to You?, and whether actors make good liars, breeding unicorns, and a lot more. Our first caller today is Danica, whose relationship with her best friend ended abruptly. Now, Danica wonders how or if it's even possible to repair their relationship. Next, we talk with Cynthia, who left her partner after years of ignoring his infidelity. Just as she was processing the aftermath of that relationship, Cynthia discovered that her father had also been having an affair. Now, Cynthia is trying to navigate these new emotions and wondering how to rebuild her faith in the opposite sex. Thank you so very much to all of our callers for being so brave, open, and vulnerable. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, we would love to hear from you. Just look for the link at unqualified.com.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris.
1: hi asif as a person whose name is pronounced incorrectly frequently wait anna gets pronounced it's anna see i just did it wow i know so i was hoping we could commiserate yeah i'm named after my great-grandmother i should have become a dramatic actor because with a name like anna (laughs) you know all right But, Asif, will you please tell me if I'm pronouncing your name
2: correctly? Yeah, you're mispronouncing it. Shit. That's all right. Now I don't feel so bad mispronouncing your name. Not
1: at all. Don't. Why would you? Because look how it's spelled. (laughs) Tell me how to pronounce your name.
2: (laughs) It's Asif. Asif. Yeah.
1: Asif. So it is the softer like Anna.
2: Yeah, that's right. And people always go Asif. Uh Uh-huh. I've heard Asif.
1: We already have commonality. Mm Mm-hmm. You probably get asked, as you're doing press, for Would I Lie to You, your new show. Yeah. I wanted to ask you if it's annoying when you're doing press when someone thinks that they've come up with an original question, which I feel like I'm about to do.
2: Well, I'll tell you something. When people come up with an unoriginal question, uh-huh. I will politely say, uh, oh, well, I've never heard that before. That's interesting. And so if I say that, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Uh Uh-huh. So go for it. Ask me the question. Do you think that actors are good liars? No, I've never heard that before. Really? No.
1: That was good. (laughs) Shit. You are qualified to host your show.
2: You know what? I have been asked that before, but it's all right because I think it's a legit question. I think that actors, by training, we are able to take what is essentially a lie and absorb it into our own truth and create something that seems truthful. That's our job. That's what we sort of do for a living.
1: But portray it truthfully. Right. So I don't know if that is the same equation to the making of a good liar.
2: Right. I don't think it's lying. I think we're good storytellers. So in terms of playing this game of Would I Lie to You?, I think it was noted that several people came up to me and said that they noticed that the actors were the ones that were the best at the game. Although some actors were not good at the game. I don't know if I would be. You don't know. It's often hard to detect. I was shocked sometimes. Well, Asif, would you mind sort of describing the context
1: of what we're talking about, which is your show?
2: So the show is called Would I Lie to You? It is basically a panel show where you have two teams of celebrity guests with a host and two team captains, one on each team, played by Sabrina Jalisse and Matt Walsh. They play the two team captains on this season. Both brilliant. Both really funny. And I'm the host. So we have altogether four celebrities, two on each side, two on each team. And they have to read a card. And on that card, there's something which is either a truth or it's a lie, and it's about their personal life. It's about their life. It's about their childhood. Now, do they write both of them, or...? They've never seen the card before. Amazing. So they've never seen the card. They read it. Then the other team basically has to figure out whether they are telling a lie or whether they're telling the truth. And they have to try to basically deduce it through a series of questions, And the strategy of the game, the way you win a point is obviously if you are telling the truth and the other team thinks you're lying, or if you're lying and the other team thinks you're telling the truth, then you win the point. So the strategy of it is that if you are telling the truth, to make the other team think you're lying. And if you're telling a lie, to make them think you're telling the truth. Now, you can also bluff and you can do different things. There's a certain amount of strategy involved when you get into, like, the actual machinations of the game and how to play it. Sure. But it's also hilariously funny. I believe it. Because people come up with, like, crazy stories. Yeah. But this is based on a British show called Would I Lie to You, which has been on the BBC for 14 years. And it's a huge hit in the UK. And I fell in love with it because I've watched Brit Box obsessively back in like 2018, 2019 during the Trump administration. And it was a way for my wife and I just to sit down and find joy in our lives at that point. And so we were watching this at night and just laughing. And it's just silliness and joy and like people telling crazy shaggy dog stories. And we would just sit for a half hour and just laugh. And then I told Robert King, who is the creator and executive producer of the show Evil that I do on Paramount Plus, and he fell in love with it. And then the next time we talked, he said, I love that show. Someone should make an American version of it. And so we thought, why don't we do it? And there you go. Oh, there you go. The crazy thing is that usually <laughs> in our business, those conversations end with, oh, I love my people. Uh-huh. We'll call your people. We'll do that. We'll, get, we'll set a lunch date. We'll yeah. do that. And nothing ever happens. No, right? that's
1: why in our career, you have to have like 16 pots on the burner.
2: Yeah, because only two of them are going to go. That's it. If you're lucky. If you're really lucky. Yeah, two of them are going to go. I really
1: love watching you talk about this with this huge smile and appreciation. I like talking with people who revel in the victories,
2: you know? Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I think that when you have been in this business for a while, I think you start to realize that most things don't happen. Most things are failures, So when things happen or when you are able to go to an award show or whatever, even just having a job in this business, you know, you can get jaded. You can sort of be like, ah, fuck it. You know what I mean?
1: Especially in the comedic
2: world. Yeah, in the comedy world and TV and trying to just maintain a sense of perspective and just a sense of, I mean, gratitude has been a big thing for me in my life. Like I've really learned a lot from just trying to have gratitude. I think it is important to sort of every now and then just recognize how incredibly fortunate we are to just be doing this, you know. It's
1: a much more
2: pleasant headspace to be in. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to stay there more and more. And it's not an easy thing.
1: No, it sure isn't. There's a lot fighting against us. Yeah, you know,
2: (laughs) so especially in the comedy world where so much self-loathing takes you so far, you know what I mean? Totally. (laughs) It's like the currency is all about self-loathing.
1: Asif, I would love to talk about hardships and how you got through them. Ah. And if we could conquer relationship ideas for a second, like vulnerability and like what got you through it.
2: So I was very new to this country because I got here when I was 16. How do you feel that you were received? Well, it was Tampa, Florida. It was the 1980s. Were you anxious? Were you angry at your parents for moving? No, I was super excited to move to America. I was so happy to get out of the UK.
1: Tell me more about that. I went
2: to a boarding school, like an all boys school. I didn't like it there at all. I was bullied a lot, and I dealt with a lot of, you know, racism and that kind of stuff. And so I didn't want to be in there. So when my parents decided they were going to move to Florida, I was like, on board, let's go, because Florida seemed really cool. Yeah. Like it was sunshine. Sure. I thought my life was going to be like an episode of Flipper. Yeah. I was like, this boy has a dolphin as his best friend. And then he's dating like a cute girl in a bikini. And you know what I mean? I just thought like I was going to like go to the beach after school. Yeah. What we fed
1: internationally.
2: Right. It was America as the land of pop culture and all that stuff. So I got to Tampa and as a junior in Chamberlain High School. And it was fine. I found my tribe in the sort of theater dorks, you know? Yeah. And they were all kind of the misfit toys of the school, creative and artsy, but socially, you know, like they weren't jocks or the beautiful people.
1: Yeah. To get back to the idea of like love and heartbreak,
2: did you go to prom? I did go to prom. I didn't know what prom was. And my friends were like, well, you got to go to prom because we're all going to prom. And I was like, okay. I'd never even dated anyone and I'd never kissed a girl. Didn't know anything about the social sort of politicking of how to ask someone out. And so I remember there was a girl in my drama class who one of my friends said, you know, I think Bobby might be up for going to the prom if you ask her. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm really nervous about this. And so I I went up to Bobby after class and I said, hey, uh would you like to go to prom with me? And she was so sweet. She looked at me and she was like, oh, uh, no. (laughs) I think she said, oh, that's so sweet of you. Thank you. Uh, But no.
1: But also, the good news is that you
2: weren't that into her. No, it was just the humiliation. Yes. And so... (laughs) then I was like, I can't believe I just did that to myself. Why would I have just put myself through that? And then my friends were like, oh, there's another girl. And she's actually in 11th grade because I was a senior. They were literally giving me like, this is the girl you should ask out to prom.
1: I like that your friends were sort of like, I don't know, nurturing.
2: Yeah. They were like, he must go to prom. Yeah, they were. They were like, he must go to prom. (laughs) I think it was also a little bit like I was kind of this oddity to them because you know, I was this Indian English kid who had shown up in this high school. And there was a lot about the culture that I didn't know. So they had this feeling of like, this guy needs to be educated about American culture. And prom was such a big deal in my high school. And so I did ask this girl, the second girl, and she said yes. And then we went to prom as like a big group of friends, you know, but we all had dates and stuff. And so I went to prom with this girl that I didn't know. But for whatever reason, I had gotten a white tuxedo with a pale blue bow tie and cummerbund. And she said, what are you wearing? And I said, I'm wearing a white tuxedo with a pale blue bow tie and a pale blue. And then when I showed up, the dress that she was wearing matched perfectly. It was like we went shopping together. So we went to prom and we had a lovely time. They played Billie Jean and I ended up getting pushed out into the middle of the dance floor and dancing the Billie Jean dance in front of my entire high school.
1: I think you had the best prom experience (laughs) out of (laughs) generations of Americans.
2: Maybe. And I have to say, I think back now and I think like, what a lovely woman, that girl. It was just so nice. She went to prom with me. She didn't know who I was. And then she was totally, like, game and cool with her date just going on into the dance floor. It brought the house down. Okay, now we're going to talk with Danica. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass***?
1: Danica. Hello. Hi. How are you?
3: Good. How are you?
1: Great. Thank you so much for your letter. Will you tell us what's going on?
3: Yeah. So my two friends, they're sisters. Their names are Catherine and Natalie. And we have known each other ever since we were like young little kids or parents or friends. And you became their roommate. Yeah. So it was the beginning of the pandemic and we were quarantining together just because we didn't want to be lonely (laughs) just at our houses by ourselves. So we did that for a couple months and then we decided from there we can move in together. And my mom owned a house in the town we live in and it was vacant. So we're like, might as well, like, let's just move in together. This will be so much fun. And it was really great. We moved in in October, 2020 And it wasn't until like August 2021 that things started becoming different between the three of us. So I was going through like crazy personal things at the time, like health matters with my dad, that I'm his executor, and there's things with my brother, and I'm just like a middle child, so I feel like I take everything on. (laughs) So I was dealing with all of that and just trying to be there for my family. And I noticed Catherine started becoming a little bit more distant, and I needed my friends at that time, so because I'm someone who really needs like open communication, I reached out to her and I was like, hey, like, you're not being the friend I need you to be right now. These are the things I'm noticing. And like, I'm not trying to start a fight or anything. I just wanted to tell you that this is how I'm feeling so that nothing gets built up or harbored resentment or any of that. And it was really great for like a month. So she received that well. Yeah. And the three of us were so good at communication like I was so proud of how we would constantly handle things and our friendship grew really strong because our parents are friends but we have really similar trauma from our parents so we were just like very very close and I felt like it was very safe for me to be able to like speak openly like that with her so it was received well and everything was great until about September she entered a new relationship and both Natalie and I were like a little bit reserved from the relationship, not because of who he is or the situation or anything. It was just because at that time, Catherine started to unpack her own traumas and was starting like her own mental health journey. And it was really tough. And I think some things were coming to light that she wasn't really aware of about herself before. And it was just like a very difficult time. And her mental health was super bad. So, we just said, hey, maybe this isn't the best time for you to enter a relationship because all of your effort should go into yourself right now. And she did not want to hear that at that time. And she totally backed away from us and shut us out for quite a while. It was hard, but we kind of recognized that it was because like this other stuff was happening and she didn't want to hear that feedback. It was okay for like a little bit, but then she started not coming home for like weeks at a time and she wouldn't tell us, which Obviously, like we're roommates, there's no rules or anything like she doesn't have to come home. But sometimes we're worried. We're just like, are you okay? Are you coming home? And she's a server. So like, she's always working around people and stuff. So there was possible dangerous thing that could have been happening. So we were just worried. And Natalie is her older sister. So it's like common for her to be like, really, really worried about where she is and stuff like that. But then when she would come home, she would be in like a terrible place mentally. And it was like emergency zone for us to get in to just like drop what we were focusing on and be there for her and help pick her back up to be functioning at least. And we were doing that and then she'd leave again. We just put all this effort into you and then you just like ditch us now that you're kind of okay. (laughs) And it was hurtful and it did just keep happening all the way through to December So by that time, like we had harbored a lot of resentment for her and became really upset that like she was creating these new friendships with other people and she had enough capacity to be a friend to them, but not to us. And there was just so many responsibilities that she was neglecting. She had a cat and she totally like neglected him that Natalie had to take that on. She wasn't like paying her bills and we were just covering everything for her and we were just fed up. And it was uh, around the new year where we were just like, let's go into the new year happy with no angry feelings. Like, let's just deal with this now. So Natalie and I asked to have a sit down with her and just kind of go through everything. And we had this like really big talk and she told us that she actually wanted to move out. And we were like, OK, if that's what you need to do. And she explained it as like she needed to move out so that she could be fully independent. Are you still
1: really close or roommates with Natalie?
3: Yes, we are like best friends.
1: OK, that is great news. Yes. I'm really, really happy about that. Is the sister living with a boyfriend, a girlfriend? Is she like in trouble with... Drugs or whatever.
3: I don't think it's drugs. She's a server. So I do think there's like a lot of partying, but I don't think it's necessarily drugs. But she moved out with one of her coworkers, and she's still like never really home. Like she's bouncing between like her boyfriend's house and her friend's house. And that's what she was doing when she lived here. We kind of just basically didn't see her after she moved out. It sounds like she's mad, you know? Yeah. You guys miss her.
2: Yeah. What is the current state of things now?
3: So Natalie is not really talking to her because she felt like it was really hurtful. And I felt the same way. And we basically just wanted to address what had happened and to move forward and to be able to, like, openly talk about it. But nothing has really happened in regards to that She kind of just moved out, forgot it happened and thought that we would still just be best friends, even though nothing has been dealt with.
2: Are you best friends? I would like
3: to be again, but for me, she would have to put in a lot of effort. I just don't have the capacity to be in a one-sided friendship anymore.
2: It sounds to me like she's moved on into her own life. Are you looking for something from her at this point? Or do you just miss her as a friend?
3: Well, yeah, I miss her friendship. But at the same time, I just don't really know how to navigate it because I know that Natalie's going to want to be in her life. You're, like, balancing the
1: older sister, younger sister dynamic. Yeah. (laughs) So Natalie is used to a relationship with her little sister that's, like, adoring, and the little sister is always, you know, spunky. Totally. (laughs) So you are listening to a lot of venting. Yes. And because you're an empathetic person who is trying to solve problems you are like, what can I do to solve this?
3: Yeah, I feel kind of weird because I feel like I have really tried to like put it out there that we need something to be fixed. We're supposed to go to a concert together and I texted her because we're taking my little sister. She's nine years old and I just wanted the concert to be really, really important for her and like the best memory for her. So I was like, hey... Because there's some tension between us right now, I think it's probably the best if you don't come because I just want this only to be about my little sister and I want her to have the best time and we can sort our stuff out separately. She also didn't like pay for a ticket or anything. I paid for it all. You're definitely hurting too.
1: Yeah. Because you wanted to let her know that with that text, like, hey, I'm hurting. You're not in my life. And this is my avenue to let you know this.
3: It was for sure, yeah. This is a breakup
1: a little bit. She'll come back to you and she'll come back to Natalie. She will. But I think that she's making it clear that she needs some space right now. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you are the absorber because you're an empathetic person. Yeah. You're hurting, but Natalie's really hurting. And so as she vents that to you, you're helping sort of
3: fuel it because you're hurt too. Definitely. And I feel like If she wants to try or do a different thing separately, I don't know how to navigate to tell her that she can do that without me. Like it doesn't have to be the both of us or none of us kind of thing. If she wants a relationship and Catherine's ready to have a relationship with her, like they're open to do that. And I encourage that. I think we've been giving a lot of space. And then because of the concert message too, she was like, hey, do you guys have a chance to have a conversation with me? And we were like, wow, this is great. This is what we wanted. But then she totally blew us off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little sister. One of my worst qualities, if not maybe my worst, is my flakiness. If we are similar personality types, know that we'll come back. If you could, because I know that you're hurting. I wonder if the experiment would be with your roommate, with your best friend, if she vents, if you don't try to solve the problem and just simply absorb it.
2: I think also like a good way to approach sometimes those situations is to just simply articulate what do you need from me right now? That's true. Because what happens is that whatever is going on with them, right? They're uncomfortable with the way they're feeling. And so they vent to you and then they give you those feelings. And then they no longer have to sit with the feelings of like uncomfortableness, anxiety, fear, abandonment, whatever it is that's going on with them, right? So they give it to you and now they've sort of vomited all over you and you're sitting there with all of this stuff and they're like, okay, I feel better now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, but you've now taken it all in and now you are the one who has an ulcer because <laughs> you've absorbed it all. Sometimes I think the way to protect yourself from that and to also not just be like, I don't want to hear it, is to sort of create boundaries around it and sort of say, Hey, I love you. I just want to know what it is you need from me in this moment. So it becomes an ask and a request. So the other person can sort of frame it like, well, what I need from you right now is advice on this, or I need to like know, you know, Yeah. setting a limitation on it in terms of, okay, in your own mind, like I can talk about this for half an hour mm-hmm. and then I can't talk about it anymore so that you're protecting yourself Because you can get sucked in, especially if you're an empathetic person, you sort of get sucked into the black hole of somebody else's chaos. I definitely do. (laughs) And that can happen very quickly. And suddenly you've absorbed all of this toxic stuff and now you're carrying it around and it's not good for you. And so I think that's where you have to put up certain boundaries or just a limit as to how much you're willing. Time and in terms of very specifically what it is that the other person needs from you, you know?
1: We find these very
2: narrow, direct
1: avenues to release our general anxiety. Mm -hmm. I feel like let's do distraction work.
3: We were thinking now that the summer's coming, we should do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, completely. Because as we've been caged
1: up and everything, we Mm -hmm. ruminate on the same things. And there's a lot of energy and dialogue being directed towards, with valid reason, you guys are hurt, towards this person. And you love her so much, and that's why it hurts. But she's making her independent choice that she needs to for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. But you can't strong arm her into being back with you guys right now.
3: I don't want to do that. Like, I want it to be a friendship that is, like,
1: strong and good. Totally. But I understand the pain and the loss of a friendship is incredibly painful. It hurts so hard. Mm -hmm. I just think you both just show her love and support Nothing passive aggressive. And you guys have a distraction plan. True. Have an awesome summer.
3: <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. Yes. Now that everything's opening up again and it's kind of like going back to normal a bit more, I think let's just try to move past this so it's not our main focus as much as it is right now. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, I wonder if you text her and just say, I just want you to know how much I love you.
3: Honestly, like, it might be a good idea. I think that she thinks I hate
1: her. Surround her with support and love without any talk for a while of any of the other shit yeah try to get out of immediate problem solving mode and into long game
3: okay that's a good way to think of it i think i'm just stuck in like what was happening and the way we were living yeah and i just need to like kind of let it go
1: (laughs) we're all in a weird mental place Mm -hmm. you don't need to reassure her sister either you can just listen hug her be the support that asif has suggested
3: Does that feel good? Like, I hope. I hope it does. It does. I think I just needed to remove myself from it, essentially, and kind of think about it that way. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're a wonderful friend and a wonderful person. This has been great. Thank you, Danica, so much. Thanks. It was great chatting. Bye, Danica.
0: and 365 day returns.
1: Hi, Cynthia. How are you? Hi, I'm good. (laughs) I'm here with Asif and he has great advice. Hi. Thank you so much for your letter. Would you mind telling us what's going on? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a very long story, but, you know, to round it out, I've
0: been in a relationship for... four years. So I met him when I was around 20-ish. I'm 25 now. i um Throughout the whole relationship, two years in, I got pregnant. We have a baby now. She's two. Greatest thing ever.
2: I have a two-year-old as well.
0: Oh, really? It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, they come in and out of the terrible twos, but they're getting their personality. So it's
1: it's so funny. The longest, shortest time. It's amazing. Yes, I love it.
0: So there was like some infidelity on his side throughout the whole relationship. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, even though I shouldn't have, I like ignored it. Oh, you knew what was going on?
0: Well, it'd be like little things like he'd be messaging random Mm -hmm. girls or following girls on Instagram that he shouldn't be. So you didn't
2: have any hard evidence, but you suspected that he was being unfaithful.
0: I would have the hard evidence. Like I'd have the messages of him texting people. It would never be like physical cheating.
2: Emotional cheating.
1: Yes. I've done the same thing where it's like willful ignoring. Yes. And it got to the point where literally like, Last month, he pushed me into a
0: corner where I couldn't even make up excuses (laughs) anymore. And it got to the point where I was getting upset with myself being in this relationship because I wasn't being fair to myself and I wasn't respecting myself. And I thought that everything had been good, actually.
1: Because you are so beautiful and awesome. You're like, why would this person (laughs) risk this?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's not about that, though. It's like, you know, that old adage of show me a beautiful woman and I'll show you a man who's being unfaithful to her. I'm sure you're an amazing person and unfortunately that has so little to do with that. Thank you.
0: Yeah. It took me the four years and obviously up until now to have the courage to realize that and make a move on that. Cause there's going to be fights and arguments in a relationship, but infidelity just shouldn't be one. And, Putting up with it, it shouldn't be an option. And, you know, I did have my insecurities throughout the relationship where I took blame for it. But I've gotten to the point where I now know I'm not at fault at all for any of it. It's things that he has, his traumas, his issues.
2: Yeah. So you threw him to the curb.
0: Yes. We co-parent, but yeah... I'm trying to move past that. But that happened in February. And then we moved forward a month later, actually, like to the day. And we went out to dinner for my birthday. You and your ex? No, my whole family. Sorry about that. My family and I, like we went out to dinner for my 25th birthday. And later that day, through some incidents, my sister and I actually ended up finding out that my dad had been having an affair. And it just kind of threw us out of the blue because, you know, my dad's... You know, all the men in the world can disappoint, but my dad would never (laughs) disappoint me. It's just, he was never that type of man. He was always a family man. Everybody in my family was shocked and surprised. So everybody knows.
2: Yes. He came out with it. He
0: admitted it. No, by accident, some pictures were found on the phone. My. Mom found it first and she didn't mean for us to see it, but through events of what happened, I came across the photos and all that. The news is out. The news was out. (laughs) And it
2: broke out regardless. And the person that he was cheating with was a younger woman?
0: Yes. It kind of shook me up because she's 25 How old is your dad? He's almost 50.
1: Dad, you're a cliche!
0: (laughs) Yes, and it kind of just threw me off because it was my 25th birthday, and then she's 25, and it turned my stomach inside out.
2: Did you talk to him about it?
0: Well, my sister and I just decided that we weren't going to say anything, because my sister and I found out without my mom knowing that we knew. So we kind of just waited until the next day until she was ready to tell us on her own. But by then, my dad had, like, left. Moved out? Yeah, He's come back to see my brothers and all that and pick them up, but he just doesn't come in the house anymore.
2: So your mom kicked him out? Yeah, pretty much. He hasn't spoken about it? Nobody's had a conversation with him about it?
0: No, not in person. He did try to, like, text me a a couple days after the incident, but I just told him, like, I need some space right now. I need to figure out how I feel, how I'm going to take this, what I want to say.
1: It's more so, like, the betrayal of it that hurts You've had two important men in your life, like, let you down.
0: Yeah, and one of them I expect, but the other
1: one just blew me out the water. Yeah, and you have the emotional caretaking position. You and your sister are with your mom, I imagine.
0: Yeah, now I feel like there's no one that I can run to to hug now. Now You have to be a mommy to, like, eight people right now. Yeah, and at the same time, I feel like
1: I'm a child. (laughs) yeah. Twenties are hard. I have to commend you on your
2: perspective. Have you spoken about this with your mom? Does your mom know about what happened with your ex? Yes. She knows? Yes. And have you spoken to your mom about her feelings around what happened with your dad?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, she just also feels very betrayed and hurt. And
2: did she know that this was happening?
0: Well... They were taking some space, but my mom had talked to him multiple times saying like, are you sure we're okay? Do you really need space? Like, are you sure that there isn't somebody else? That all happened. And he kept insisting, no, I'm just stressed out with work and all this. And I'm up to here with this and that and that and that. It was just always something else. There was, it wasn't somebody else.
2: It's interesting to me that you said when you were talking about your ex and your dad, in one case, I expected it. And in the other case, I was blown away because on one hand, you're sort of in a mental space where you're like, well, I expected it to happen here, which you shouldn't. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there's something about you and your mom living some kind of parallel experience here.
0: Yes, because actually, I think what freaked me out about my relationship, sometimes I guess seeing that reflection, because my parents also actually got pregnant with me at the same age that I got pregnant with my daughter, the same situation. But my parents, I guess, to me in my eyes, just like all kids think they were meant to be. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, not obviously, you should never expect from a from a spouse or a boyfriend to be cheated on. But I guess what I mean is that after being hurt so many times by him, I guess I would be emotionally prepared for, but I wasn't emotionally prepared to be hurt by my father in that way. So that one hit a little harder because I had learned to heal from heartbreak through this relationship with my ex-boyfriend so many times, but never in this form this form of heartache from like your first love, you know, your dad.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's really, really hard. I've talked to people about intergenerational trauma and how trauma gets passed on from generation to generation. And it's just fascinating to me in your life that your mother and you are sharing a similar trauma right now of betrayal and infidelity. I believe, and I'm just guessing, that your mother knew Her questioning, like, it's all part of something that deep in her DNA, she figured something was wrong. Just like you knew something was going on and you tolerated it. And I think that all trauma and all things that happen to us are in order for us to grow and for us to move to another level of understanding and experience and whatever that is, you know. But I don't know what it is exactly, but I feel like between you and your mom, that is where the healing might happen in the sense that, like, a bond in a trauma that you've both experienced, you know? I know that it's hard because I think you want to be taken care of right now, but it may be that you can actually take care of each other in a weird way. There may be something there because your dad did what he did and it's a shock to the system and you feel betrayed, you feel shocked, you feel like he was your first love, but there's something about the fact that he was able to do that you know what I mean? That is indicative of something about him. I don't know if this is the case, but I don't know what your relationship is with your mother. But I feel like there may be a place there for the healing in the sort of Hollywood version of this. Mm-hmm. There's a girl's vacation here.
3: Yeah. Oh, yes. I have played it
0: all out in my head. Like, this is a movie. Like, there's like a pan in on my 25th birthday. I blow out the candle. Like, it just was so yeah, yeah. crazy. Huh. I'm like, this is my, not my life.
1: In your letter you write that he had bought her and her son a house yeah 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 it's a whole
0: separate life yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's intense referring to what you were saying we were actually just discussing this with my mom because my brother's actually just told yesterday um and we were kind of realizing like we're kind of using this as a moment to appreciate each other as a family more where everybody's being more patient with one mm-hmm. another and considering each other's feelings and just leaning on each other more. And I guess it made us realize that things happen and choices are made out of your control. Like this wasn't my choice. None of it was my choice. And now I was backed into a corner where I need space from these certain people. And that can happen at any moment with anybody. And we have to just appreciate the moments where things are okay with the people that are okay.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And there's nothing like a two-year-old who (laughs) reminds you of that. Oh yeah, she keeps me going. Later on in the journey of this, of this whole fallout, of whatever happens, I want to remind you to follow what feels good for you. If there's a moment where your mom is like, I don't want you to ever talk to your father again, just be thoughtful. And if you're really missing your dad, and if you do want that idea at some point, this could take years or maybe not at all. It's really up to you. Follow how you can give love best in the way that makes you feel joy and happiness. Follow that. Lean into it. It will all take time.
0: Yeah, I think that it's messy, but it's happening kind of as healthy as it can because nobody's telling me anything bad about anybody.
1: Good. That's remarkable. I'm really happy for that.
2: Yeah. And also acknowledge a lot of stuff is going to start coming up And you need to just honor that and be okay with it. And you may find yourself incredibly angry. You know, right now you're probably still in shock, Mm -hmm. but there's going to come a period when you're going to go like, I'm really angry or I'm really hurt and I'm really sad. And all of these things and just expect them to come. And I think that if you can find the bond of your family, like with your siblings, if there is a bond between you guys right now, I would hold on to that and sort of try to find that as your core. This will be a journey
1: for you. And I want you to be able to be as happy as you can be.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I know every day is different. Some days I wake up excited and I know things happen for me. Other days I do wake up depressed, but I have to get up. And other days I wake up angry. I know it's going to be different, but I know that everything at the end, it happens for me. And I'm probably build a relationship with my dad again and I just know it's going to take time.
2: Give it the time that it needs. And just recognize that it's a lot of flawed, broken people trying to figure this out, you know what I mean, including your dad. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for your guys's input and experiences. Thank you. Take care of
1: yourself. Thank you guys. Thanks. Thank you Cynthia so much. <music> That was just wonderful. You're wise and brilliant, and I'm so happy for you. And at some point, I'd love it if you could come back and we could talk all about your baby and your wife. Yeah, let's do it. Island culture up there draws a lot of interesting types. And since 1958, this family has been trying to literally breed a unicorn. The genetic process is pretty complicated. Like, they kept breeding these goats, like, larger and larger. Is this a lie? And they were finally able to impregnate. They right now have a mare impregnated. And their idea is like, let's have a unicorn farm. And they truly have been doing it through generations. It's a lie. So
2: we're... (laughs) But I wish you had saved that because when you do come on the show... All right, uh, listen, I'll come up with something else. That would be a great story. Would you give us a lie? So I was kicked out of a gym because my grunts were too loud for the other members.
1: Can you give me the grunt? Oh!
2: Oh, like 20 pounds then, yeah, huh? 20 pounds. Just lightweight. I was doing high rep lightweights. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you if that's a lie or the truth. You have to watch the show.
1: I love it. All right. I can't thank you enough. I hope you can come back someday.
2: Yeah, I'll come back. Yeah. I would love that. Great. It was lovely to meet you.
1: Lovely to meet you, too. Take care. Bye, Asif.